Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. I'm John Fugelsang. This is Sirius XM Progress. We're going to try and make sense of this week. We all just survived. I want to begin by saying, yes, we laughed at Donald Trump when he said he'd been indicated. But the joke will be on us when he's vindicted. Going to talk later on with uh, Kristen Rowe Finkbeiner, who's executive director, CEO, uh, and co-founder of Moms Rising, uh, who's been very involved in public policy and grassroots engagement for more than two decades. And she's a terrific uh, writer and political consultant as well. Max Burns, journalist extraordinaire, is going to join us. And we've got a great special. Max has done a special all about the election coming up in Wisconsin for our third hour tonight. Yes, we are passing the mic over to the great Max Burns. He'll join us in hour number two to talk about, well, you know, the stories of the week and uh, to bring us up to speed on what is happening in Wisconsin and why our eyes should be on their elections. And of course, all night long, our executive producer is Chris Hauselt. Our associate producer is Thea Harper. What a week. I mean, what a week. This week began with Donald Trump holding a rally in Waco. On the 30th anniversary of the Branch Davidian standoff in Waco, just to remind us all that it's not a dangerous cult, don't worry, a federal judge ordered Pence to testify before a grand jury investigating Trump on January 6th. In Kentucky, the Republicans overrode Andy Bashar's veto, codifying new anti-transgender laws. I want to get to that one in a second. Um, we, we saw the North Carolina legislature override Governor Roy Cooper's veto and repeal the law requiring a gun permit for the purchase of a handgun. They've been crazy all week. And that's why I think it's time, before we talk about Trump and everything we know right now, to take it just a little brief moment and talk about the revoltingly fake Christian of the week. That's right. It's Fake Christian Friday. Now, there is real Christians in this country, and they're out doing good things. They were out helping victims of the tornado in Mississippi. They're out helping victims of the terrible tornado in Arkansas. There's great Christian people who are getting along and fighting for the least of us, fighting for the working folks, fighting for migrant rights, fighting for children and health care. They're out there. We're not talking about those people. We're talking about the loud ones. We're talking about the fundamentalists. We're talking about the people who don't think they're better than you. They think God thinks they're better than you. Yes, we're talking about the right wing fundamentalist Christians also known as America's Atheism Factory. Let's do it. Who is the worst all week? I mean, I want to start with the legislature in Kentucky, the Republican-led legislature in Kentucky. They're my first nominee for Revoltingly Fake Christians of the Week. They voted this week to override their Democratic governor's veto of one of the most harsh anti-LGBTQ bills in the country. Governor Andy Bashar vetoed their bill. 
Uh, it's known as SB 150, and it bans all gender-affirming health care for transgender minors, like all health care, not just surgery or drugs, all health care, requires doctors to take steps to detransition trans youth in their care. Yeah. So if you're 16, 17, and you've begun the transition, your doctor is now obliged by law to stop you and start transitioning you back. It poses restrictions on the school lives of trans students. It allows teachers to misgender them, heavily restrict their access to bathrooms, aligning with their gender identities. It's mean, and that's why it's Republican, because it's got nothing to do with Christianity. You know where Jesus condemns trans people? Hang on, let me let me grab it. Uh, um, never. Yeah, never. Jesus never condemns gay people, never condemns trans people, never condemns bisexual people, never comes out and condemns uh, drag queens. You know who Jesus condemns? Um, adulterers. Like Donald Trump, men who treat women like shit. That's who Jesus condemns. Matthew 19, never anti-gay. So again, y'all want to hate on gay people. That's great. Don't pretend you're Christian. The Florida House passed an expanded version of Ron DeSantis's despicable don't say gay bill, which essentially allows any slobbering goober in the state of Florida to sue any teacher because they said something involving sexual orientation or gender identity. That could be saying my mom is a lady. And she's married to my dad. You could sue someone for that, but you won't. It's designed to fuck with marginalized people. It's designed to make life more uncomfortable, more painful, more cruel for transgender or gay kids or children with transgender and gay people in their families. That's all it's about. And it only exists. The worst part about it. It doesn't exist just to be mean. It exists just so Ron DeSantis can advance his miserable, flabby political career. That's it. The cruelty's not even the point. The cruelty's the lube. In Wisconsin, a, a school just banned the Miley Cyrus, Dolly Parton song. Uh, oh, what's it called? The Rainbow. I forget the name of it, but they have a song with the word rainbow in the title. So that was banned. I mean, and then let's talk about abortion. Something else the Bible isn't about. After enacting one of the strictest abortion bans in the country. There are fake Christian Republicans of Idaho are trying to go even further by inventing a whole new crime. Now, I know, right? The Bible doesn't say you should punish women who terminate pregnancies. It doesn't say you should put women in jail for terminating pregnancies. Bible doesn't say go stand outside a clinic and yell shit at women. Bible doesn't say punish poor women with more poverty. The Bible doesn't say the government should have the power to force a teenage rape victim to carry and bear her attacker's child. Bible says none of this because the Bible's not against abortion. I'm going to say it again. Ready? In the back? Magus, in case you're listening, the Bible's not against abortion. Jesus is against the death penalty. The Bible, not against abortion. What is the religion in the Bible again? Oh, yeah, Judaism. Are they against abortion? No, they're not. Judaism's not against abortion. Abortions are legal in Israel. Abortions are free in Israel. Life begins with first breath in Genesis. God gives Moses rather detailed abortion tips for pregnant, unfaithful wives in Numbers chapter 5. And let's not forget, God asserts a woman has more value than a fetus in his eye in Exodus. God pretty much says a fetus is property. And if you Gentiles still really believe that God cares about the sacred lives of children, let me explain to you what Passover is. Am I saying that the Bible's pro-abortion? Of course I'm not. I'm saying that right-wing Christians have been suckered into prioritizing something their religion's namesake never mentioned. 
while they fight against everything Christ talked about. They fight against welcoming the stranger. They fight against helping the poor. They fight against caring for the sick. They fight against paying your taxes. Render unto Caesar. They fight against Christ's admonition of nonviolence. He who lives by the sword will die by the sword. Yeah, they don't go with that. They fight against Christ's admonitions against the death penalty. <laughs> Jesus isn't their spiritual Messiah. He's their mascot, and they wave him around. So a bill the Idaho Senate agreed to take up on Monday would curtail the ability of minors to leave the state to seek an abortion. That's right. It's not enough that you can't do it in this state. We're not going to let you leave the state. And it would make any adult who drives an underage person out of the state to terminate a pregnancy without parental consent guilty of abortion trafficking. Yeah, well, what if what if it's a girl who was raped by her stepdad and she she can they they, they can't get it. Uh, no abortion trafficking, recruiting, harboring or transporting the pregnant minor within this state commits the crime of abortion trafficking, making the act a felony two to five years in prison. Now, the bill's backers say it defends a parent's right to be able to make abortion decisions in conjunction with their child. The reality is it cheapens what human trafficking really is. It's literally equating the crime of stealing children and using them for sex with a child seeking medical care independently from their parents. Oof. This coming as the Gender Equity Policy Institute puts out a study that shows the end of legal protection for abortion threatens to further increase maternal mortality, newborn and infant mortality, and teenage births in the U.S. Did you know that mothers living in a state that banned abortion after Dobbs were up to three times more likely to die during pregnancy, childbirth, or soon after giving birth? Pro-lifers don't give a fuck. Babies born in banned states, 30% more likely to die in their first month of life. They don't give a fuck. They're not pro-life. They don't give a shit about babies. They don't care about children. They're not going to lift a finger to stop the local maniac from getting military hardware that will murder every child in your kid's school. They don't care. Black women are almost three times as likely to die in pregnancy, childbirth, or right after giving birth as white women. And let me tell you, these Republican Christians really don't care about a stat like that. Black babies are more than two times as likely to die in their first month of life as white babies. They don't care. They just want to be seen as being virtuous. They want to be seen as being Christian. They're not. If they were Christian, they'd be at the southern border welcoming the refugees. If they were Christian, they'd be helping girls who've terminated pregnancies instead of screaming at them. <laughs> South Carolina is making women face the death penalty for abortion under a proposed new law. We're so pro-life. We'll fucking kill you. But finally, uh, Tucker Carlson. Well, let's talk about Lady Tuck Tuck. Um, Tucker took advantage of the mass killing at a private Christian school this week in Nashville to warn us not about the easy availability of guns, including to emotionally and mentally unstable people. No, to warn us about trans terrorism. <sighs> Liar Tuck said... The transgender movement is the mirror image of Christianity, and therefore its natural enemy. In Christianity, the price of admission is admitting that you're not God. The transgender movement takes the opposite view. We can change the identity we were born with. Christians can never agree with this statement because these are powers they believe God alone possesses. That failure to acknowledge a trans person's dominion over nature incites and enrages some in the trans community. People who believe they're God can't stand to be reminded that they're not. Are you following that? You're not supposed to, because it's all bullshit meant for your uncle racist and your aunt dead inside to nod as they drool on the clicker. Look, they don't care about abortion. They don't care about abortion. If they cared about abortion, brothers and sisters, 
they'd fight for sex ed in the schools. If they wanted to stop abortion, they'd fight for as easy access to birth control as there is to guns. They don't care. They care about saying whatever they've got to say to manipulate white people into voting for them. That's it. That's it. And Tucker Carlson talking about Christianity. I mean, that's, that's, I, I don't even know where to begin. So Donald Trump is allowed to identify as Christian, but Bruce can't identify as Caitlin. That incites and enrages some of the trans community. People who believe they're God can't stand to be reminded that they are not. The New York Times reported that hate crimes rose 12% in 2021. Attacks spurred by a person's sexual orientation was 16% of the crimes reported. Transgender people are over four times more likely than cisgender people to experience violent victimization, including rape, sexual assault, and aggravated or simple assault, according to a new study from UCLA. In addition, Households with a transgender person had higher rates of property victimization than cisgender households. And again, let's go back to the Bible. What does the Bible say against transgender people? Nothing. But St. Paul in Galatians says there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female in Christ. And he's the conservative right-wing PR guy for Jesus. He's the one the right-wingers like to quote anyway. Tucker Carlson, you are our revoltingly fake Christian of the week. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Now, we've got a lot to go through in terms of Donald Trump. The lack of news keeps pouring in. I don't know how cable news kept it filled up all day with so little actual information. We will try to figure it out. In the meantime, let's go to your calls. Paul in Jersey. Hello and welcome. How's it going, John? Hey. Donald Trump is the best president in the world. April Fool's. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I know, it's, I, know it's, I know it's tomorrow, but come on, give me a break, all right? Listen, I'll, listen, you made me smile. You got it. <laughs> it's completely no, I, mean, I, yeah. I, <laughs> no, I wanted to call because at first I wanted to talk about the, you know, like, the, you know, the Bible hypocrisy, right? Please. That, you know, they talk about, you know, you know, you were talking about Passover, right? Yes, sir. And then you, talk, you know, but somehow Moses... Part of the Red Sea is New Testament because if you mention how the Old Testament treated women, how, how the Old Testament treated, um, you know, um, babies pretty much, right? So yeah. I mean, splitting a baby in half, you know, they don't count that. 
They count no. that. Oh, no, no, that's the Old Testament. That doesn't count. But somehow Moses parting the Red Sea is in the New Testament. <laughs> well, but but the, here's the irony of that, right? Jesus is is the most I would say the most feminist character in the whole Bible, but in modern Jewish. times, it is I, I would I would submit to you that the Jewish people are more feminist than the average Christian in modern times. Jewish people have gone way farther than Christians. Yeah. Now, and the other point I wanted to make also, John. Yeah. I mean, I'm not wishing this on you, okay? Obviously, but let's okay. say you had cancer. Okay. And I'm many people doctor, have many have wished it on me. So go go ahead, please. No, I won't wish it on you. But, and I was your doctor, and I told you to fix your cancer, we have to give you more cancer. Okay, what do you mean? Think about it. If I told you that if, if I, if, to cure your cancer, I have to give you more cancer. Right, right, right. We're talking about guns, right? Thank you. I knew you were yeah. going to come up with that. By the way, you know what I helps, with, you know what helps with terrible traffic? More cars. Yes. I learned that from the NRA. Exactly. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> so the only like, thing that'll solve this gun problem is if we flood the zone with more guns. Paul, you're so brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You get it. Thank you. I'm glad someone gets it. No, it's, no, it's ridiculous. It's just like, I, uh, you know, I was telling that to somebody, and it's just, that, you know, for some reason, it didn't make sense to them. It's still in their, in their mind that... Uh, the right to bear arms are not being French. It's a well-regulated militia. Uh-huh. They don't want to hear that. I mean, they don't want to hear that because I mean, let's think about this for a minute. Who is a militia? What is a militia? It was citizen soldiers that were called at a moment's notice to uh, to to defend the country. Correct? That's it. And well regulated. Right. It almost yeah. seems like they were keeping track of who was in the militia, which meant the founders intended us to keep track of who had firearms. Now, who? Is, now, what? What can you say is a is a militia in this modern time? The National Guard. The National Guard, the United, the, the Naval Reserves, the, the Army Reserves, the, the, yeah. the, all these all these people, reservists. They're the citizen, the citizen soldiers that should be, you know, that the, the right to bear arms should not would, would not be infringed. But no, they don't create these little or these non-regulated militias That's that right. they think that they're, they're following the Constitution. They're not. You nailed it. Yeah, they're not. They're not at all. But again, they don't care. They don't care. It's about their entertainment. It's care. about their pleasure right now. It's a cult of selfishness. None of these people think gang members should be allowed to own tactical nukes or white phosphorus or grenade launchers, which means they do accept some limitations on our constitutional rights. They're selfish bastards. They're never going to be persuaded. And we just have to keep on fighting. And hopefully that we can get an assault weapons ban before everyone knows someone who's been killed by one. Paul, thank you very much for the call. Um, is it Steva in Pittsburgh? Hello. Hi, this is Steva. Hi. Hey, Steva. I'm sorry. I, I put my phone down for a hot second and I'm like, I had to jump back on it. You sound so, perfect to me. You sound great. <laughs> Thank you. So, hey, this is why I was calling. I'm just a little bit peed off because okay. I don't understand why we as Democratic let Republicans say they're pro-life. Thank you. Especially when they are pro-choice because they're okay with people not having abortions, but they're okay with having a gun. Mm-hmm. They believe in capital punishment. Mm-hmm. That's all pro. This is all life. Oh, yeah. So it's a pro choice. And I'm fed up with Democrats not acknowledging that and putting it too. out there, stopping them when they're standing up there saying it. So just stop them in their track. I do it yeah. every day at work. 
Same. When they come up to me and they're talking about abortions and their next sentence is guns. So I say, oh, hold on. You hmm. are not pro-life. You're pro-choice. Mm-hmm. That's right. And they say to me, no, I'm pro-life. I said, do you believe in guns? Because they kill. I yeah. said, do you believe in capital punishment? Yes. I said, then you're pro-choice. You are not mm-hmm. pro-life. And they're pro-some life. They're pro-some life. They're pro-some life. That's what I call them. But then that's all. That's what um, abortion is. Most people don't believe in, like, I'm going to go out and have an abortion, but they believe the other person should be able to. I say to these people all the time, Steve, I I say over in China, they don't have have choice. China mandates abortions. I think that's wrong, too. Women should get to choose. Men shouldn't choose for women. It's really simple and not complicated. But again, to actually follow the teachings of Christ would be hard for them because Christ is incredibly progressive and commands you to take care of the poor, take care of the sick, stand up for the downtrodden. And they don't like that. So they'd rather pretend that Jesus gives a damn about abortion and being cruel to migrants and gay people. And then they can smugly pretend that they're better than everyone else. And then in the next statement, I'll tell them, if you choose for this person to have the baby, you choose for them to have their kid. Are you going to stand by them to make sure that kid come um, of age? Because you're the first people out here talking about people on welfare or anything else. So you're against them. You're you're for them having the baby, but you're against helping them take care of that kid. That's right. That's right. So there's of no double standard on every which way they got. It's hypocritical. Point. It's grotesque hypocrisy. I won't even give them the courtesy of calling them a double standard. They pro-life Christians will love you from the moment of conception till the moment of your birth, and then they're done. After that, you're a taker. Right. That is so true. I'm gonna start yeah. saying that too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're so awesome, Steve. You got to call here and brighten up my Fridays more. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. <laughs> Have a great evening. Let's go to Sean in Cali. Hi, Sean. Thanks for your patience on hold. Oh, all good, brother. You know, so I'm going to go down an avenue, and and I hope you guide me a little bit. So I love that conversation. So this is what I've been thinking about for a long time. So we're at a place right now in this country, in my view, my hypothesis, but it's not as good as most scientists is that, you know, we have a huge number of people in this country. I'm just going to keep it within our borders. It's actually worldwide, but I'm going to keep it within our borders. Okay. That believe that there's extraterrestrial life out there, but not just out there. They've already come here, or Mm -hmm. they're already here, or we're already doing deals with them. We have all these conspiracies, right? Right. And then we go to the Bible, believing in God, right? Okay. Of which we're reading from texts from way back and all of that. And yet it comes down to the basic same argument as I have been watching this since I, cause you know, I've been, I know there's intelligent life in the universe. It's mathematically impossible that there isn't, but okay. then to go to where they're here and doing all that is a big leap. I believe that <laughs> both uh, the, um, people that believe the literal interpretation of the Bible and this other thing about aliens being here and all that have the same kind of thing. They want to be rescued people in their mind. It's a human nature that they want to be rescued because you know what? The one common thing I do believe from all of this, and I'm trying to find common ground here between all human beings with all our craziness 
is that we know we're kind of all screwed up. We know we've kind of effed up this planet for the most part, right? I mean, even if you don't believe in climate change, you don't believe in that, you kind of do believe in it. You know we've screwed up. So (laughs) my point is, why do we believe in that? And why do some people take advantage of it to really screw people even more? And why do other people want to, you know, have the, the, you know, the aliens, so to speak, come down and save the world (laughs) from ourselves? Sure, there a little bit to unpack there, uh, but I think you actually, yeah, you know, it's little. interesting. A, a belief in aliens and an alien species is one of the few things that our conservative and liberal brothers and sisters have in common, uh, and so is religion. And so I want to, you know, keep that in play. Um, okay. Listen, I think we're. It, it is very human to always want to believe there's more than just what we can taste, touch, see, hear, and feel. You know, you could you could say whatever Absolutely. you want about religion. You could ban all religion. You could raise people to not even know what religion is for a thousand generations. But that spiritual hunger is going to be there. That wanting to know if this means anything. That wanting to know why we got to be sentient. That wanting to know where the science and the spirituality come together. You know, people would invent God all over again. So, sure. And I think the same is true of aliens. We want to know our place in all this. We want to have something tangible. I, I, I've had an experience in South America years ago, uh, in the late 1990s, in the Andes Mountains of Peru, completely sober, where I saw lights in the sky do things that I cannot explain to this day. And I found it very comforting. Um, I don't go around, you know, saying I've seen the aliens because I don't know what it was I saw. But I saw something I've never been able to explain. And so I like the fact that I'm uh, I'm open and a skeptic at the same time. But the yeah. problem is, you know this, um, it's very easy to manipulate people who are looking desperately for an answer. And if you're willing to put your faith in something you can't see, if you're willing to put your faith in a very abstract idea, I mean, to put your faith in something that you can't prove, that can be very rewarding and moving. But it can also make you a prime candidate for a con artist or a religious charismatic looking for an easy mark. And that's exactly where I'm at. My basic hypothesis is we're actually exactly the same. Uh, Even are my the Trump people that I would argue with to the end of the days about they don't know what the hell they're talking about. They view me as the same way. But in actuality, we're actually the same people wishing for someone, something, somehow to rescue us and put us in a better place collectively as humankind. The worst nightmare of the right wing is that hardworking white people realize that our commonalities outweigh our differences. And then if they can't sell division, they can't manipulate the hardworking conservative white people anymore. Sean, I thank you for your call. I hope you have a great, great weekend. we got to take a very quick break. Uh, We'll be back in just a moment with Kristen Rowe Finkbinder of... Mom's Rising, and more of your calls at 866-997-4748. This is SiriusXM Progress, and our brand new interview with the great Graham Nash, who is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for two different bands, will air on Monday night. Graham's 81 now, and we talk about how he survived the pandemic, And we talk a lot about David Crosby. So let's just talk really quickly about this week, what happened in America this week outside of an indictment, outside of Donald Trump's legal problems, because Donald Trump's legal problems threatened to eat up all the air in the room. We already know six people were killed in a highly preventable school shooting in Nashville, Tennessee, where the assailant owned seven legally purchased firearms from five local Nashville gun stores. We know 39 migrants were killed in a fire in a detention center on the U.S.-Mexico border. Kentucky 
Republican lawmakers overrode Governor Andy Bashir's video uh, veto, making these new anti-transgender laws some of the harshest in the country. In North Carolina, their Republicans overrode Governor Roy Cooper's veto and repealed the law requiring you to have a gun permit to buy a gun. Because North Carolina needs more crazy. The Florida House passed an even more expanded version of their despicable don't say gay bill. They also passed permitless concealed carry. It was a big week for Florida. And in the midst of all of this crazy, again, this is all non-Trump Republican crazy. The week began with them introducing a bill to overturn Joe Biden's student loan debt forgiveness plan. And, of course, the so-called Parents' Bill of Rights, which is very bad for parents, very bad for moms, very bad for kids as well. Probably won't go anywhere in the Senate, but it is an especially despicable piece of theater that Kevin McCarthy knows is a complete fraud. And to help us understand all of these malfeasance, I'm so pleased to welcome to the show Kristen Rowe Finkbeiner, who's executive director, CEO and co-founder of Moms Rising. Moms Rising is a movement of over a million people. It's a 501c4 social welfare organization rising for all families to thrive. She's an award-winning author of books and articles, frequent public speaker. It's a real pleasure to welcome Kristen Rowe Finkbeiner to SiriusXM. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. So it really did seem like the GOP in the House knew they had to pass some version of this Parents' Bill of Rights, knowing it wouldn't go anywhere in the Senate, but also knowing it might be mean enough to satisfy the folks at home. Listen, this was a parent's bill of wrongs, and it was really a blunt attempt to just grab mom voters who aren't paying attention. And it didn't come out of nowhere. When Donald Trump lost the Oval Office, Steve Bannon, his strategist in chief, said Mm -hmm. the way we're going to take back America is through the school boards. And they have been going after mom voters ever since. So this so-called Parents' Bill of Rights, which did pass the House under Republican leadership and propelled by Republican leadership, instead of being something that lifted and helped families, was something that laid the legislative framework for book bans, censorship, harming students and teachers. So that's why it's a Parents' Bill of Wrongs. But, you know, they put it in a pretty wrapping paper. So we're here to bust the myth that, you know, that wasn't about parents. That was about politics. That was about grabbing voters who aren't paying mm -hmm. attention. I mean, it's all about the Republican push to basically erode trust in public institutions and systematically defund the public school system. That and more. I mean, one of the things that you were just talking about with the previous guest that I really loved hearing you say was that Republicans really only care about the moment of conception to the moment of birth and nothing yeah. after that. This is more of that same. We have a Republican Congress who is taking away people's freedoms right now. The freedom to decide if, when, and how many children we're going to have. The freedom to be able to afford child care, to be able to care for aging parents, to be able to make fair pay, to be able to have a safe childbirth. We have one of the only World Health Organization's or nations in the world that has increasing maternal death and black women are four times as likely to die as white women in childbirth. That's a disgrace. And so instead of addressing the disgrace that is a family-friendly America that we need, Republicans are focused on tearing us apart, pushing bans, and making education inaccurate. That's not cool. And moms know it, so moms are rising. 
<laughs> I mean, it's really a sanitized version of what the party's been pushing, this far right-wing intimidation of school boards, having uh, uh, anyone be able to censor lesson plans, anyone be able to censor libraries. And, and it's really, if anything, the right-wing parents' bill of rights, but it's not about helping problems in our public schools. And this is what makes me crazy. I always ask our right-wing brothers and sisters if they think America deserves the best public school system in the world because <laughs> they want to be jingoistic, but they also don't care about poor kids. And so that, that question always angers them. This Parents' Bill of Rights is not about helping public schools or saving public schools. They want to abandon the ship. And like always, they want to abandon the ship, but make sure only some kids get lifeboats. It's really ridiculous and insulting. And when we did actually polling with real moms, um, this is not what real moms want. What real moms want are actual structural changes that lift families, businesses, and our economy. And we know what those are. But instead, well, what this tell us, is, let, let's it, talk about what some of the, I'd, I'd love to ask what some of them are, because, you know, like what what comes up time and time again for you in, in terms of the priorities of America's mothers? Because I know it's not drag queen story hour and be mean to the trans kids. It's really about lifting every family and every person, no matter what gender or how they identify, making a welcoming space where kids, families and people can thrive. And what that means is to be safe from gun violence in our schools and our communities. Right now, guns are the leading cause of childhood death in America. That's an epic tragedy. That's awful. Everybody should be pulling the fire alarm to address that right now. We absolutely have to get rid of military-style assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. Right now, and I touched on this a minute ago, just briefly, right now, we're one of only six countries in the world, six countries in the world that doesn't have any form of paid family medical leave That's right. after a new baby arrives or a serious health crisis strikes. And you know what? 76% of Trump voters support that policy and even Boom. more Democrats support that Boom. policy. So when we're not only talking about what a certain type of moms want, we're talking about what all moms of all parties, Democrat, Republican, independent, libertarian, and on that note, Moms are the people who most often need and have abortion care. That's important. Yes. Six out of 10 people who need and have abortion care are moms. Moms want to be able to choose if we're going to have children, if so, how many children we're going to have and when. And we need access to the full reproductive suite. Again, here too, we're talking about moms of all political parties. We saw what just happened in the 2022 midterm elections. And in red states, purple states, blue states, anywhere abortion access was on the ballot, it was expanded. And attacks on abortion access were stopped when it went on the ballot. So the people know what we want. What we're hearing right now is a very vocal, very well-funded, minority making a lot of noise and that noise is really about hate spaghetti like when you think about it and you try to say what are the moms for liberty asking for what is this hate that's going on it is a long list of hate so what's happening is politically wedge issue after wedge issue those issues that tear us apart in our communities after issue that tear us apart in our community are being thrown at the wall by the republicans to see what sticks with their eye on 2024 and trying to get that white house back but we are here to say that we know when our kids hide their green beans in napkins because they don't want to you know eat the green beans mm -hmm. we know 
Also, when we have policies that are pushed through Congress by the Republican leadership called so-called Parents' Bill of Rights, that's not a Parents' Bill of Rights. That's Parents' Bill of Wrongs. So just like we know our kids don't necessarily always want to eat their green beans, we also know when Republicans in Congress are trying to do a switch on us. And we are not going to stand for letting that happen. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting when you look at who it is that actually gets abortions in this country. I mean, 59% in 2021, 59% of women who seek abortions are already mothers. You know, just like minimum wage, we keep thinking it's something that teenagers do. No, the majority of people on minimum wage are parents, and the majority of people who seek abortions are already moms. Women who seek abortions are more than three times as likely to be poor. 49% are poor. While the national poverty rate is 12%, 75% of women who seek abortions are low income. 55% of women who seek abortions report a recent disruptive life event, like the death of a family member or a job loss. I mean, and as you pointed out, it, it, it's much, much harsher on women of color. Black women had a 20 to 40% decline in maternal mortality after abortion was legalized. So it's like we have the information. We know that the majority of Americans, the overwhelming majority of Americans, support women's reproductive freedoms in all or some cases. And you're exactly right. It's this tiny minority, a minority that's mostly people without uteruses who are making these laws for women. So how do you suggest we begin to fight back from where we're at now? What is mom's rising approach to how we begin to push back against this uh, ridiculously unpopular movement that has swept our government? Well, first of all, do not be intimidated by the hate spaghetti. <laughs> know that when you hear the hate spaghetti happening, that actually the majority of people disagree with it. And that's the first step, knowing you're not alone. Because it can be really isolating to hear that level of hate. And you can think, oh my gosh, I'm the only one who is not about this hate. So listeners, you are not alone. And that is an important first step because the next step is make sure you're registered to vote and make sure that yeah. you have at least five or 10 friends registered to vote with you. You know, the elections aren't coming for a while. We do have elections in 2023, local elections, but those big elections in 2024, we need to be ready for those. It's not too early to pick your election and your voting walk-up music. You know, democracy <laughs> cannot be a spectator sport. We have to vote every election. We have to vote every time because even these local elections, a lot of these hateful policies are being pushed forward. So make sure you're registered to vote and that you vote and that you bring five or 10 friends with you. And if you're a mom, a dad, or a parent, bring your kid to vote with you because you can be a voter and raise a voter. So true. That's one. So true. Two, okay. share your story. We all have stories about how we've been helped by, um, you know, schools or we've been right. helped by having paid family medical leave or having access to health care or any of those kinds of things. Share your story about how you've been helped by these policies with your friends, but also with your elected leaders and tell your elected leaders what you think. Again, we've got a well-funded minority of loudmouths really making a lot of noise. So make some noise. You can join an organization that helps you figure out when, where, and how is the best strategic point to make some noise. Moms Rising is one of those. But you can also just call your member of Congress, Google their name, and tell them what you're thinking. Tell them that you don't agree with this so-called Parents' Bill of Rights angles and that you understand what's happening. It's a bait and switch. And yeah. so you have power. And when we're thinking about this, um, you mentioned a little bit 
in those statistics about how low income people are disproportionately impacted by these policies. And of course, there's no gender justice without racial justice, without economic justice. They're all tied together. One cannot happen without the other. And so one of the things I like to share to give people an eye into what's happening with families right now in a really fast way is that being a mom is now a greater predictor of wage and hiring discrimination than gender. That's a big deal. And if you look at what is the impact of structural racism, mm-hmm. moms of color are experiencing compounded wage and hiring discrimination to the extent that Latina moms are earning just 46 cents to a white dad's dollar that's and right. black moms just 54 cents to a white dad's dollar. Now, that's the really horrible bad news that we have to fix. The good news is that solutions are possible. Studies show that when we pass those policies we were just talking about, paid family medical leave, affordable childcare, which by the way now costs more than college, access to health, access to home and community services, those policies together actually lower the wage gaps between moms and non-moms, raise all boats, help businesses actually have better returns, and lift our economy to the extent the Federal Reserve Chair, Jerome Powell, recently testified in Congress and said, we need a care infrastructure to keep up with international competitiveness because we're so far behind. So, you know, when we're talking right now, you and I, we have a lot of bad news. There's a lot of bad news in America. Parents are still struggling. But then we have the good news, and that's that it doesn't take rocket science to find solutions. We know what the solutions are, and we can get there. You know, so these common sense solutions that constituents of Republicans, Democrats, libertarians across the country support are at the ready to be passed. We just need that Republican leadership in Congress to finally catch up with the reality of the people in their own families. Yeah, I'm waiting for them. I'm waiting for them to care about the people in their own families not being hit by AR-15 fire. I mean, this mom's rising support uh, returning to the assault weapons ban. Absolutely. Moms Rising 150% supports not only returning the assault weapons ban, but also making illegal the high capacity magazines. Right. Because right now what a lot of people don't know is that you can turn almost any gun into a military style assault weapon Mm -hmm. with, you know, a high capacity magazine using bump stocks. All of those things need to go because there is no reason for any single individual human to have a weapon of war in our communities. There is, if you went duck hunting with an AR-15, there's not gonna be a duck left for you to eat. Like there's no need for this at all. Mm -hmm. And so those need to go as do the high capacity magazines and the bump stocks. Absolutely. What's the best way for our listeners to find out more about you and your work? Oh, you can follow Moms Rising on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. It's at Moms Rising. We're also in Spanish at Mamas Con Poder. And, you know, we're everywhere and we're free. I like to say we're your free avenue for taking action and making change. We do all the hard work of figuring out when the bills are moving, where they're moving and how, and then open avenues for busy people to make a difference. And we've, you know, helped make a tremendous amount of differences. We just recently had a whole bunch of victories proving that the voices of moms are indeed powerful. The website's great as well. Uh, Kristen Rowe Finkbeiner is the executive director, CEO, and co-founder of Moms Rising. You can follow her at Rowe, R-O-W-E, Finkbeiner. It is such a pleasure to have you with us. Please come back again. Thank you. Have a great weekend. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with your calls at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT.
I'm John Fiegel saying this is Sirius XM Progress. We are at 866-997-4748. Let's go to the phones, shall we? Richard in Washington. Thanks for your patience. Hello. Hey, John. Hey. John, I'm still outraged. Talk to me. We chatted Wednesday afternoon. I always call you on my way down to play uh, in Seattle. I've got a two-hour drive, and it's really great to vent with you, and I just want to let you know I appreciate it. I'm here for you to unload on. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, I'm outraged, and here's why. You know, uh, I just read the other day that one of the first signs of a slipping democracy is the lack of ethical leadership. Sure. Right. And those of us on the left, it's pretty simple for us to look over and see on the right, hey, man, we got ethical leadership everywhere on the right, Trump all the way down. But but here's the thing. I want to see somebody on the left jump up and say, with ethical leadership, and say, look, we don't need trials for Donald Trump to get him out of the White House. We don't need those. Those are great, right. and let's have them. We need them. But all we need is to follow the Constitution. We've got Section 3 of the 14th Amendment clearly states that if you abet or support insurrection or rebellion, you cannot hold public office That's it. in this great country. Where is our ethical leadership on the left that's jumping up and saying this? You, only you, Richard, only. No, I mean, we've we've talked about it. A lot of people have talked about it. And to me, I would go even further. I would say, where's anybody ethical leadership? Hey, you and I, we're ethical, man. We're crawling with ethics. But where is the ethical leadership on the left that's going to be saying this is our Constitution? This is what it says. He should be gone. Well, I mean, in fairness, they did impeach the guy. They they impeached him after he left office. You know, they had the investigations all summer. They tried to have it in the Senate as well, but Mitch McConnell killed it. I mean, the left, such as it is, is trying as hard as they can to hold the man to account for his behaviors that day. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. But anyway, that's, uh, you know, and also one other thing, John, I hope we normalize indicting Donald Trump. And I think we're going to. I think that's what's going to happen. We got five of the four more, I think, all, all these. And let's not forget the rape, the uh-huh. rape trial. That's, coming up. that's right. Maybe so, two of those. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how it plays out. You know, I just keep saying we have to keep reminding ourselves it's only Trump's first indictment. It's only the first. Soften him up. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Believe me, this is just the sweet, beautiful foreplay before Jack Smith is done cracking his knuckles and doing his getting his pre-workout stretch completed. He's going to be indicted in Georgia. He's probably going to be indicted for January 6th, and he may likely be indicted for the documents as well. But we'll have to see. But, and a lot of people argue that, you know, this is the oldest case. Well, this should be going for Well, look, it doesn't matter. It it means a lot to me that the first case against him is a case from New York City. It means a lot to me that the first indictment in his long and awful career, a man who was first investigated by the DOJ back in the early 70s for racist housing. I mean, imagine being you and your dad are too racist for Nixon. Imagine Nixon's (laughs) DOJ saying you're too racist, Trump's. And finally, now, almost 50 years later. Honestly, look, the charges may be flimsy. They might not. 34 counts. I'm eager to see it. But it means a lot to me that it's New York. It means a lot that it's New York that did it. On a personal level, I'm proud. I I can't wait for Fox and Friends to just 
to defend and support the, the rape charges, though. I, I just can't wait for that. They won't mention up. it. They won't cover it. They'll talk about E. Jean Carroll's looks. Mark my words. Hey, That's gonna, all they'll I'm do. I'm going to call in to Mark Levin and make sure that he covers that. Yeah, what Mark Levin? Listen, listen. We talk about the real news here, okay? We talk about the things that matter, not Trump's criminality. We're going to talk about Hunter Biden's laptop and trans kids who want to play sports. I'm Mark Levin. Yeah. I missed my last job sitting at the feet of Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. <laughs> that guy has... Sorry, I really worked on that impression, by the way. Like, I have to embody that character. I had to so get inside that man's soul to do the voice that well. I want you to know. Well, well he's, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but he has the same level of hatred for liberals and intellectuals and he's jewish now that the nazis had for jews back back in uh no sir sir let's not let's let's not say anything rash here the nazis didn't like intellectuals either okay the nazis didn't like intellectuals either sir well and well so neither does levin and he's got that same energy yeah, he hates a lot of Americans. Let's put it that way. He hates a lot of different Americans. Because the more American flags you have, the more likely you hate a lot of people from America. Richard, I got to go, but I thank you. And I do have to go because our next guest is waiting in the wings. Now, look, anytime we can get Max Burns to join us on a Friday, we're happy. Like, that's enough. We're grateful for that. But tonight, Max has a very special well, a very special special on what's going on in the Wisconsin election. Now, Max is a Public Relations Society of America award-winning Democratic strategist and a terrific political columnist. And his work has guided some of the most successful American companies and campaigns in achieving their messaging goals. And you may have read his stuff in the Daily Beast, News Nation, or NBC News. He's consistently one of the smartest guys in the room. Welcome back, Max Burns. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for being had, Max. And listen, thank you so much for lending your talents and uh, for letting us pass the mic over to you. Tell us a bit about the special tonight. Absolutely. It was a a pleasure. We are digging in tonight on the biggest race you have probably never heard of. It's the Wisconsin Supreme Court race that happens uh, on April 4th. And this is something that even though it's uh, normally these are are pretty low-key races, this is now the most expensive judicial race in American history. And right-wing people like billionaire Richard Uline, who uh, runs Uline Shipping, are are pumping in tens of millions of dollars into this race uh, to elect an extremist, anti-abortion, election-denying Republican to mm-hmm. essentially be the majority vote on Wisconsin's Supreme Court. That's so it. It, is, it is a real fight, and it's going to determine a lot about how Republicans are messaging in 2024. It seems like there's two things we need to keep in mind about this Supreme Court race, Max. And tell me if I'm wrong. One of them is that this race will pretty much determine what happens to reproductive rights in the state. Uh, I mean, and, and maybe even the 2024 presidential election. And we also know that a lot of money is pouring in that doesn't come from Wisconsin, correct? No, absolutely. The majority of the money here has come from national groups, and that's true on both sides, uh, but much more on the right. And it's largely been uh, very vocal anti-abortion groups that have funded Dan Kelly, uh, who is running there against a Janet Protasewicz. And it has become really a referendum on these national issues. There's an abortion law there from 1849 that would be the law of the land if a Republican Supreme Court majority there said it was. I mean, it's it is to say he's a blast from the past is wrong. I mean, this is, as I say, an abortion law that was written when we were still debating what whale oil was the best brand to buy. I mean, it's from another world. And this is something that that. he agrees with completely. 
it's so fascinating. They're going back to what, the 1870s on this? Yeah, e- even earlier. I mean, 1849, we're pre-Civil uh, War with this. I mean, we're really reaching back. Now, I mean, tell us a bit about Dan Kelly. I mean, I know that he's he's a maggot of the bone, uh, quite an extremist. And, you know, I love Wisconsin. I spent a lot of time in the state. You can never tell which way it's going to go. Just when you think it's such a pro-union, strong blue state, it can easily tilt the other way. But, I mean, as long as reproductive freedom itself is on the ballot, who is Dan Kelly? And why should people be very, very concerned about getting out the vote? Well, Dan Kelly before this was one of the lead drivers of the fake elector scheme in Wisconsin, who decided it would be a super legal and cool idea to just send fake electors to Washington. He was one of them. This is someone who is at the right hand of every Donald Trump election conspiracy scheme that they try to foist on Wisconsin courts. He's someone who cares so much about letting people know he will vote against abortion, that he took time away from the campaign to go to events hosted by radical groups that said that abortion, uh, that killing abortion doctors should be justifiable homicide. I mean, this is a guy who is is prepared and has said proudly that he will tie these women down to a pre-Civil War anti-abortion bill and doesn't really care about what the law actually says. Just amazing. Now, tell us about um, Janet, and I want to pronounce her last name correctly because mine is Fugel saying, uh, uh, Protasiewicz? Protasiewicz. Protasiewicz, okay. It is a challenge. And I, I, I come from the Midwest, and it was still a challenge for me. Uh, now, she's a progressive prosecutor. She comes from Milwaukee. Uh, sorry, a progressive judge from Milwaukee and has really been driven by local support here. If you look at the actual fundraising numbers for her, she's come in at about $121 average donation. If you look at Dan Kelly with his Republican billionaire support, his average donation is $2,500. I mean, this is not money that's coming in from people. When people are polled again and again, they agree with her on good governance issues, on redistricting issues. They agree that, that allowing an abortion law from last from almost 200 years ago to take effect in a modern state would be a disaster. Mm-hmm. And right now, the big difference is she's willing to judge cases objectively. Dan Kelly has straight said, you're going to like what you get from me if you elect me. And that's that's directed plainly at people who want him not just to overturn election results, but to overturn electoral maps for congressional redistricting. And I'll be chatting with Wisconsin Democratic Party Chair Ben Wickler in this session. Oh, he's great. And he's got some very interesting insights into exactly how in the weeds Republicans are prepared to get in rewriting Wisconsin's laws. I didn't even know you had Ben Wickler on the show. That's exciting. I can't wait. You know, I know that, that the conservatives have controlled Wisconsin's high court for like a decade and a half. But let's talk about what happens if this goes the wrong way. I mean, is it exaggerating to say that this case really could affect the entire country. You know, you got to pull teeth to get people to pay attention to elections that are going on in a state they don't live in. But it's not just about the GOP dominance in the state. This could this could change the 2024 election. No, absolutely. I mean, this this will certainly if Dan Kelly is elected, spell the end of abortion rights in Wisconsin. Undeniably, it will spell the end of any effort to break the gerrymandering that the Republican legislature pushed through and that a Republican Supreme Court majority there approved. 
Uh, we're looking at generational things, but Republican strategists are looking at this as a roadmap or how to take these state seats ahead of 2024 and then how to message in 2024. Because if they see there's this groundswell of support for these election denial, hardline anti-abortion candidates, mm -hmm. you can guess that within a week, Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, the whole group of, of rotten presidential aspirants will be parroting those lines. And, and they are messaging this. They are polling this very closely and, and watching to see where the wind is blowing. Oof. Well, let me ask you about where the wind is blowing, Max, because I'd be most remiss if I didn't uh, pick your brain a bit about the many historic events of this week. You know, uh, in the previous hour, I just went through all of the different forms of malfeasance and rank fuckery the Republicans were doing outside of Donald Trump from the North Carolina legislature overriding their governor's veto to have to have a permit to buy a gun or Florida expanding don't say gay Kentucky finding a way to override their governor's veto to be more transgender than before. But it's all completely overshadowed by by Donald Trump's indictment. Were you surprised that an indictment actually came down uh, a few hours after we were told <laughs> Alvin Bragg was going away for a month? I was. I think everybody was. Uh, apparently, the reporters who were at the courthouse when those documents were filed said they came in about three minutes before closing, uh, went back and talked to the clerk. And then the reporters were told, we're closed. You got to walk out and, and be outside. And at that moment, they were filing these charges. I had actually just uh, put put out a segment uh, for Rebel HQ telling people, get ready to wait because we're we're done until mid-April. And so I think that was really the intention. And it certainly seemed to catch Donald Trump's team off guard, uh, which which is something I take great glee in seeing. Uh, but no, I think he's done a great job. And I think that this has been a roller coaster that that now we see that, you know, even Donald Trump is not above accountability. Do you think he's ever going to see a day inside a jail? I do. He's going to have a jury of New Yorkers, and there is hardly a New Yorker who does not have some negative connection to this man whose life but has isn't not that been a fair made point? harder in some way. But isn't that a great point to bring up? I mean, how could Donald Trump ever hope to be? And again, I hate to play devil's advocate for the fucking guy, but that's that's my job because I've got to pretend to be a good guy. Uh, how can he hope for a, a fair jury, an impartial jury, when he's one of the most famous villains in the country? I mean, I trust our judicial system. It seems, unfortunately, a lot of our Republican friends don't anymore. Uh, these law and order Republicans have suddenly become the biggest critics of the justice system I've ever seen. I mean, you have Lindsey Graham urging Donald Trump to try and punch a police officer because they'll let him out early if he does that. I mean, that was uh, more a sarcastic me. little bitter bitch joke by Lindsey's part. It's hard to tell. I mean, it, it, every so many horrible and anti-democratic and anti-justice things have been thrown out in the last couple of days from Josh Hawley saying that people won't, won't like what happens next. I mean, it is shocking yeah. that once again, when faced with basic accountability, Republicans are prepared to tear the entire system down. You're right. You're so, so right. So, I mean, the big question to me is this, Max. Um, it's not about this is the first time a former president has been indicted. To me, the real point is this is just Trump's first indictment. Do you expect more to come? Because I sure do. I do. I, th I think it shows you how dark the skies are that now Donald Trump can kind of take comfort that there are only five ongoing investigations that could also add potentially long-term federal charges uh, to the legal woes he has. 
And also another thing a lot of people have not talked about yet is as this case moves on, a lot of these assets, uh, depending on the outcome of this New York case, could end up frozen for the Trump administration mm. if there's connection to a crime. So he could find himself now employing more lawyers than ever with less and less ability to actually pay them. That's so we it. could find this this reaching some very interesting outcomes here as we get into the the autumn. See, the, yes, this is my point. I keep saying, Max, and I, I make people very angry. Stephanie Miller gets very angry with me on Friday mornings on her show about this. But I, I, I say I don't believe Trump is ever going to see the inside of a jail cell. We're never going to get to see if Orange clashes with Orange. I, I think that he's already in prison and the prison is the money he has to shovel into a furnace of defense attorneys for the rest of his natural, miserable life. I think that this is this is his incarceration. He is a man under siege and he will be funneling money to lawyers for as long as he lives. I, I, I think that we're going to have to get used to the fact that that will be his sentence rather than something we can actually, you know, point to a jail. Well, I can tell you, the NYPD has certainly thought about it. And, and you can tell because as soon as this indictment came out, someone leaked very quickly to the Daily News and then to other outlets the, the plan for it, that it would be a single occupancy cell, that there would be Secret Service outside, that he would have segregated exercise time so he didn't get beaten up by prisoners. So the, the idea that he can never go to jail <laughs> is certainly not something the NYPD considers. They've already got the whole game plan. They just need the verdict oh, now. I'm already writing the script about the Secret Service agents who have to work a shift in prison with Donald Trump to protect him from the gangs. And then what do you do when he starts to join the Aryans? Because, you know, he'll take over. We can get much better jello if you just let me run your gang. I could probably get jello for all of you. I just I. Oh, a boy can dream. Sorry. I think Max. he needed he, he needs four to six years to get in, in some shape. And there's, you know, a good prison yard at Rikers. So <laughs> maybe he'll come out with some sick tattoos and jacked and. More likely, uh, more likely he's going to try and flee the country. Max, it is such a pleasure to have you on the show. What is the best way for our listeners to keep up with you, Max, and keep track of all your doings? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter for now, I guess, at, uh, at the Max Burns, And on Substack, it's maxburns.substack.com. What is this for now business? You going to quit when they take away your blue check mark tomorrow? Are they going to do My that, blue, Max? Are they really going to take away the blue check mark tomorrow? I, I, I don't really trust Elon's timetable when he promises things. I hope not. I mean, as, as Elon tries to tell everybody, the blue check is my entire identity. So without it's it, all, I will yeah. just disappear into the wires of the Internet. That's actually all I identify. My, my pronoun is blue check. It's all I don't know how I'm going to function without it. I know I could become a loser and pay him for it. That that I could do. Yeah, no thanks. No thanks. The great Max Burns, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.